You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It it on Cranberry.fm. <laughs> twice, twice, twice again. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It is the twelfth uh, of May, twenty sixteen. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, and we have a completely exciting show for you today. Coming up after our first break, uh, a man who really ought to have his own credit on this show, actually. The one, the only, Barry Schwartz. And, you know, I don't even know where to say he's from. Is he from Search Engine Roundtable? Is he from Rusty Brick? Is he from Third Door Media, Search Engine Land? You know what? We're totally going to have an opportunity to ask him. Yeah. Yeah, so ask him where he's from. But wherever he's from, Barry Schwartz is going to be here in about 20 minutes. Um, That's exciting. Like, I've, uh, I can't, can't, Dave, you, you, you know, I have a, deep admiration for Barry, his work and his accomplishments over uh, the last, what is it, 20 years? Yeah. Or so. <laughs> um, so having him on the show is going to be a, a serious treat. And we got a lot to talk about when he comes on because he will have covered just about everything we're going to be talking about. Um, changes have happened at Google again and SEOs rejoice. You got more room to play with. <laughs> Google has, uh, well, Google's done a couple of things. First of all, they're increasing the amount of space, the uh, lateral space on a search engine result page, which is going to have the effect of, you know, pushing pushing search results upwards on the SERP, on the, on the Google search result page. Now that the page is a little bit wider, you, you know, your line breaks will be a bit thinner. You might have, like, uh, one line break rather than line breaks the effect is uh results will move higher on the page but that's not all google is also messed with the length of titles and descriptions that are displayed in the search result that's kind of cool 
It is kind of cool. I think uh, one of the things that you and I, uh, you know, we've been doing this long enough that we can sort of approach this without need to say this but for our listeners who might not have seen the ebb and flow of Google changes over many, many years. Um, I think it's worth noting. Don't jump on this, folks. Um, you know, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, you, you have more room um, to, to play in. Um, right now, I'm treating this like a Google test. We'll see what happens. They'll know from their own click-through rate data whether this is a good or a bad decision on, on their end, whether it enhances the experience or not, whether people are actually using it. Um, so I, I would be remiss not to go, hey, don't run out and change a bunch of titles. If you want to change a few just to, to sort of tweak and see what happens, great, great idea. Um, but I, I wouldn't go and change all the titles on your entire site just trying to cram in an extra word or two. Because uh, Google could very easily a week from now go, oh, that didn't go well, um, and, uh, and and click back. Well, and this happens. Um, this completely happens. Uh, there was a, earlier this week that people were suggesting, or there was suggestion that Google was going to be testing out uh, the 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 link text, the anchor text that uh, is used to phrase the link on the search result page. Yep, As it yep. appears now, it's blue. Um, people were saying Google's going to be turning it black just to see if that increases click-through rates or decreases click-through rates. Why do you think? Why are they messing with the uh, face of the SERPs? You know, I think it, it makes a lot of sense because really, what they're doing um, in in a lot of cases, like at this stage of the game for them, there's a lot of exciting, exciting stuff going on 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 the back end. Like we, I mean, heck, we can we can talk about the the great advances they're making into into AI from a hardware standpoint right now, and and see what they're sort of getting at in the back end. Um, but if you look at any major company at the stage they're at, which is they already have the bulk of traffic. Let's look at you know Expedia or Airbnb as as great examples um, of this as well, where they they own the bucket of of the traffic in their in their individual space. Really, now it's all about fighting over fractions of percent of improvement of usability, right? Like that's really the only battleground left for them is just to make things just a little bit easier to use, get get people to. Who are they battling with? They, I mean, the, one of their major competitors is about to go out of business as Yahoo basically is shuttering shop this month. Um, Bing is um, a four-letter word um, <laughs> to many webmasters. At least it's an afterthought. So, like, you know, who is Google competing with? Right. In this case, I'm viewing the battleground is with their analytics from a week ago. Um, you know, and, and often we face that, right? Like where that is our only remaining battleground is to do better than we did with the traffic that we have. I mean, heck, heck that should be everybody's battleground all the time. Yes, you should be fighting for more traffic, but hey, at the same time, you should be fighting to better serve the traffic you have or eke out a few extra dollars from that traffic you have. And, you know, in Google's case, in ad revenue. So, um, you know, I, I think that's really what they're fighting over right now is to improve the user experience a bit. It's not that they're fighting to get traffic from Bing. It's that they're fighting to get a little better experience for their current users to keep them from Bing and also to, to improve their, you know, sort of experience so they stay with Google or, you know, and, and let's call a spade a spade. They didn't go from three to four, um, you know, AdWords ads at the top. Um, you know, for, for user experience, trying to eke out just a little bit more money out of, uh, out of every visitor to their site. So it uh, makes sense to me. It's, it's where their, I think their battleground is when you dominate in a way that they do is, is just to try and get a little bit more um, out of your users than you are right now. Well, if, if, if there is a battleground that exists that, that's remaining that Google is actually fighting in, 
I'm going to suggest uh, it's the mobile space. Mm. And when they're fighting in mobile, they're not fighting against another search engine. They're fighting against uh, uh, Facebook. They're fighting against the uh, rapid growth of, uh, you know, Facebook's little closed environment where, you know, you can almost find what you're looking for. At least you can certainly find what you're interested in. Maybe not exactly what you're looking for, but, you know, the attention of most web users, right? Yeah. <laughs> most web users, what they were looking for isn't necessarily what they're interested in five minutes from now. Um, and that's honestly where I think Google's uh, facing their biggest fight. And the increase in length of uh, titles and of descriptions. Search engines, how to say this? The social networks push information to you based, you know, your, your friends are pushing it or um, the trending algorithm is pushing it to you. Something is getting it on in front of your Twitter feed or uh, in front of your Facebook news feed. It's very descriptive. It's very instant. You want to click on it. Search mm -hmm. results on a mobile device, on the other hand, aren't so descriptive. They're often, you know, somewhat hard to read. Maybe that extra two words in the title or that, uh, you know, extra, extra line that you're going to get in the description. Maybe Google's um, betting that more information to the user leads to better click-throughs. That's a good angle. That's actually quite a smart angle. Uh, I hadn't actually. I, I don't use search that much on my phone. I mean, you know, probably half an hour a day, so I guess enough. But, um, but yeah, no, that that is a very very good point and something that for our for our users to consider. You're right. The battle space is on on mobile. That's that for sure. And what um, led me there? What led me there, Dave, was another announcement Google made this week. Was you know we we've been talking to our clients and you know in, in our own businesses we've been worrying about having a mobile friendly presence, having our our websites look good on a mobile device. Mm -hmm. Well, it was about a year ago. Google said if you do this, we're going to give you a ranking boost, and they never actually got around to giving us the ranking boost. <laughs> yep. This week they announced that they did. If you have a mobile friendly site. If your site resolves and you know passes Google's mobile test, and Webmaster Tools has new uh, new testing tools you can you can use, or Google Search Console has new testing tools you can use to see if your site is mobile friendly, well, you're going to be getting um, you know a, a, a kick in the keister from from Google. You're going to be pushed upwards a little bit uh, for oh, mobile oh. searches, which makes perfect sense. I mean, of course. Um... You know, and then, and then there's your transitional. Started on one device, moved to another. I can't help but think Google will, you know, because they want to keep their users consistent. They wouldn't want you to suddenly be ranking very well on mobile, and then when that same user goes back and runs a search on their desktop to not find you, I can only imagine there's actually going to be a, a supplemental boost um, onto desktop. That's just a guess. I mean, I'm, I'm taking a shot in the dark there. I understand that it is purely as, as an algorithmic function, uh, directed at mobile, but I can only imagine that that's actually going to have a, a ripple effect over into desktop at some point well, I mean, once some analytics come in. And to figure that out, man, I mean, like, you got to go back and do a little bit of Google Google history here, where, remember, what was it, was it 18 months ago, maybe, maybe 24 months ago, Google said we have two indexes, one for mobile and one for uh, desktop. Yep. And as it turns out, they didn't actually have... Uh, <laughs> So, that, so then, so then uh, we were told they had two algorithms, one for mobile and one for desktop. And as it turns out, it didn't really work Oops. that way. Yeah. So when, uh, when you say they would push the results to the desktop, 
this, this is why I think Google is saying we're only doing this for mo- we're only giving the boost for searches done on the mobile device. They can detect that, and they mm-hmm. can they can detect where the search is coming from, where the query is coming from, and return a set of results based on the device from which it was set. Mm-hmm. But they don't got two different uh, databases, and they don't have two different algorithms. It, it feels it feels like there's a filter algorithm that you know oh mobile device well we'll give them this result set. Yeah. But it's still the same uh, sorting, the sort, same sorting formulas, with uh, again with an extra filter applied. Would that get pushed to the desktop? I don't know, but I think that many of the on-page behaviors or on-site behaviors that users might do when they're on the mobile device might have an effect on desktop. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. It's going to be interesting because, I mean, all of this is, and, and the truth will end up probably being something more complex than either you or I can fathom, <laughs> um, given the brains, because I, I think about the pure processing power of having to apply a filter for every query over and over and over and over again, um, especially if they want to get it. I mean, right now it's a black and white, but, uh, you know, device or not, but, um, you know, what happens when they cascade that one step further and go, okay, well, we know this model of iPhone has this screen, this type has, has this one, right? Because there, there is going to be such a large gap between different mobile device types um, on their screen sizes. I can only imagine that's, that's going to be coming down the road. But um, at any rate, it'll be interesting to, uh, interesting to watch. And you know what? We'll, we'll, ask, uh, we'll ask Barry what he thinks. Well, absolutely we will. As a matter of fact, I have a whole list of stories that uh, Search Engine Roundtable published just in the last week. I want to ask him what he thinks about each individual story. One, this isn't this isn't actually in a, a Search Engine Roundtable. This actually came from Search Engine Land, and it, it fits with the conversation we, we we've been having. Did you see this piece? The true value of technical SEO by uh, Patrick Stocks. Yeah. So, at the beginning, he 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 writes about another uh, uh, article he'd read that said basically technical SEO is just SEO 101, and he said he was outraged until he started really thinking about what this guy was trying to get at. As it turns out, you know, technical SEO is really SEO 101, but there's uh, SEO 101 can, can go into the second, third, or fourth year of, like, developer classes. The second, third, or fourth year of... Um, user experience. You know, there are user experience experts out there who aren't actually SEOs. Um, but SEOs got to do user experience. Um, you know, there's so many, so many fields that, that technical SEO will actually touch on. How the website, the number of plugins, the server speed, um, how, you, how you have your database set up, you know, all these things that technical SEO touches is basically SEO 101. But it's enhanced level for other other parts of the field. Well, and that's that is a great way to look at it. I think because yeah, when I when I first read that, of course, I had the the knee jerk reaction, doing a lot of you know sort of technical work myself. That was just like, oh, you right? And I, I were on the radio, so I, I won't fill in the last word I, I used in that thought process. Um, but then, yeah, really thinking about it, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just a short little checklist, right? Like, make sure your products has schema. Okay, well, let's look at that back end and decide how complex that is. Because <laughs> in a lot of cases, it's not, hey, slap in a plug-in and magic happens. Um, nine times out of 10 or more, it's not. And even that one time out of 10, it's not complete. 
Um, so I, I think that's really what he was getting at and, and spot on is that it is an important field that individual components may be extremely difficult, but actually what needs to be done is just the fundamentals. And I think that's what he was, he was trying to say and, and actually ended up saying quite well and started a, a really interesting discussion amongst a bunch of SEOs. Yeah. Now, it's important to... Uh, uh, oh, my! you know what? I met this fellow, Patrick Sox. I, I, I just got the article up on screen. I just scrolled down and saw his photo. I met this guy in Raleigh in November. Um, he's the uh, organizer of the Raleigh SEO meetup group. Um, he was actually a really cool character. Um, if anybody who was in Raleigh remembers the magic bus... Mm-hmm. Patrick Stocks was on the bus. That's the kind of character he is. So, <laughs> um, good fellow. Um, I'm, I'm actually I'm, I had forgotten. I didn't I didn't uh, put the name with the face, and I'm really pleased. I, I I know this guy. He's a he's a good fellow, and he's right about this. So yeah, he has gotten a good conversation going. Um, it's weird, you know. I'm, I I got a client we're about to bring on a developer client in Toronto, an ad agency who wants to start building SEO in from the get-go, because I guess there's a generation of entrepreneur who is now old enough. You know, it's weird for older guys like us, Dave, but, you know, there's a generation of entrepreneur who's known nothing but the net. Right. That Um, is where money happens. That's where you give and and take it. It's all there. Um, So, yeah, you're right. The nice thing about baking SEO into the original development scheme is you get your technical SEO ca- uh, taken care of at, at step one, rather than three months down the line when it's a hell of a lot more expensive. Oh, yeah. I always love when clients have the foresight and, you know, we get that call and it's like, we're just working on a redevelopment. We'd like you to audit our current site and then arrange to audit our one before launch. Right. So basically give them an opportunity to during development go, here's all the stuff you need to do. Um, it also gives the liberty to sort of go, I can just tell you what the end result needs to be. I don't actually care how you make that happen, right? Like you understand your back end, you understand your development process. Here's what it needs to do. Now, <laughs> make that happen how you do it. Now, how you do that will depend on the technology and then just proof it after and, and make sure it's right. That, that's brilliant. And I, I obviously love it. So do you from the, from the sounds of it. And yeah, that is something that I wasn't seeing a decade ago. I'm certainly seeing a lot more now. I'm hoping it's I'm hoping it's somewhere where the SEO industry goes. I, the, I'm hoping that, uh, for want of a better term, baked in SEO becomes a specialty in the industry. Now, in saying that, I am will be removing a great revenue generator from my life, which is called <laughs> cleanup SEO. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I mean, our job really, our job is to solve problems for our for our clients, and the best way to solve problems is to make sure they don't get them in the first place. Right. Then you can just um, focus later on making it better, not fixing it. Absolutely. Okay, there's a great segue. Speaking of making it better, we're going to have to go to commercials. When we come back, we're going to be talking with somebody who spent a career trying to make this, this industry we're in a better place. Many of us owe our knowledge. And you know what? I'm going to suggest many of us owe our careers to this fellow. Stick around, friends. We have Barry Schwartz from Rusty Brick, Search Engine Roundtable. Search engine land, countless videos, countless conferences, and uh, well, he's going to be here on Webcology on Cranberry.fm, coming up after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. 
Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Conversion Conference, the can't-miss CRO event of 2016. Join over 750 people from dozens of countries gathering in Las Vegas, May 18th and 19th, for the biggest industry-wide conversion event ever. Four parallel tracks of top content will allow you to personalize the exact topics that you want to focus on, interact with expert speakers at informal networking events, and birds of a feather lunch table topics. Meet dozens of leading CRO companies face-to-face in the expo hall. Get hands-on with pre-conference workshops and master classes. Join us for fun activities such as zip lining and Tim Ash's after party in the presidential suite. Oh yeah, did we mention that it's in Vegas, baby? May 18th and 19th. Conversion Conference last year sold out fast, and it's expected to sell out again. So don't miss it. Go to conversionconference.com for details right now. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, so social the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your facebook contest and sweepstakes create a fun easy to win contest by writing a simple facebook post watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction track your traffic and generate email lists with ease so social is mobile friendly and complies with facebook terms of service let so social give your facebook page some flash today zoom over to zosocial.com whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. It is the 12th of May, 2016. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Dave Davies from uh, Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And as promised at the beginning of the show, we are joined by... Well, you know, Barry, I don't even know how to introduce you. You have been in, we are joined by a guy who's been in the industry longer than I have, longer than Dave has, which is a heck of a long time, has published more than probably 10 other writers put together, puts out more content a day than CNN does, and uh, 
has been a generally helpful guy all around. Barry Schwartz, welcome to Webcology. Thanks for having me and calling me a uh, content spammer. Appreciate it. I called you a content. I called CNN content spammers. You put out more content than they do, so so you don't spammer at all. You're, you're a hard worker. Um, how much content do you put out a day? Um, on average, probably about ten stories, personally. Okay, and 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 these stories like they they span between uh, search engine roundtable and search engine land or, or marketing land, yeah. Correct. What's the priority of them? The um, how, well, how do you know which is going to marketing land or, 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 or search engine land or what gets published on search engine roundtable? How do you prioritize the information that's in your head all day? Okay, so okay, so marketing land is pretty simple. It's pretty much anything marketing related. Sometimes that includes SEO topics, but most of the time it has to be something big, like a big mobile-friendly update or some something big in terms of publishing SEO. I pretty much write SEO, um, search engine optimization. I don't really cover the Facebook stuff. Um, so Marketland covers Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, any of these types of uh, social media networks, email marketing, anything marketing in general, uh, digital marketing. Um, search engine land is obviously more specific to search. Um, and the way I differentiate what I'm writing about, at least on search engine land versus search engine roundtable, um, is... Search and Roundtable, I only write about stuff that the community is talking about. So there has to be a lot of conversation around the topic. So I don't know. Um, it might be like, for example, I write might a lot about small little updates that are going on that webmasters are freaking out about um, on Search and Roundtable because there's a lot of conversation around that in the SEO community. Whereas on Search Engine Land, I might not write about it because Google hasn't confirmed it or a lot of it's just um, discussion, but it's not necessarily backed up by Google saying something. Um, so really, it's, I cover more of the newsy type of stuff at Search Engine Land, whereas I cover more of the community chatter and uh, discussion at Search Engine Roundtable. Hopefully that's a good benchmark. Yeah. <laughs> now, Jim had mentioned it. Well, A, he's mentioned two things, so I'm going to tie these together in one. A, you've been in the industry for, I don't know, ever. Like you probably high five Danny Sullivan on your way in, and then just there, there you were. Um, and he also in in the intro was talking, and, and sorry if, if it ended up offending because I totally know that wasn't what he meant. Um, but we ended up talking about content spam. Now clearly you don't, but I know Search Engine Roundtable, and I want to go one two years ago, um, got hit with a false positive, um, and I'm sure you remember it because and, and I, I loved it. You actually put out some graphs of of traffic. Um, you know, sort of dwindling down. So Google picked it up as, as a problematic site. Clearly it's news. You did a great job covered. You know, it's not always the longest pieces because it's news. You, you've, you've recovered from that. Obviously Google figured out what they did wrong. What do you think over the years, has Google gotten better or worse at these false positives at reacting to them and actually understanding the intent of a site? Like clearly yours was news. It's not meant to have 2000 word pieces on every page. What, what do you think? Are, are they getting better or worse over time? It's hard to say. They have to update their algorithms for that to happen. So it's been, it's been a couple of years since we had Penguin updates. So. <laughs> um, in general, I think they've been getting better. Uh, but like I said, it seems like Google's done with these massive updates. Like, I feel like they're done one um, just because they find it annoying that the SEO community is, um, is basically saying, you know, they're obsessive about it, and for good reason. You get hit by Penguin or Panda, uh, you're pretty much out of business until you start to do well again and so forth. When I came out of the Panda uh, algorithm, which I was hit by because 
I, I I can see why. I mean, my articles are pretty short. They um, they have a lot of inter- interesting comments on them. So I can see why um, it might have been a false positive. But you got to wait. And uh, waiting could be painful. So um, have they gotten better at it? I think they tried to be. Um, overall, I think there have been a lot of sites that got hit that they shouldn't have. But overall, I think generally, I would say, hard to give an exact number, but I would say most of the time I look at these things and the site's complaining that they heard of a penguin or panda, I look at it and you're like, well, there's a good reason for it. Um, even with my site, I don't blame Google for saying, oh, it's close to being panda and so forth. Um, and, you know, I think they adjusted their algorithms to say, you know what, maybe we took it a little bit too far, but it's really an algorithm. So I don't think it was necessarily a false positive. I think it was just that the content quality hit some type of metric that maybe they didn't anticipate it to hit. And because of that, um, it got hit. So I don't know. It's hard to say about false positives per se. You know, sometimes I've thought that the naming of algorithm or algorithm updates was a really good thing for the industry because, you know, it, it gives us touch points or milestones that we can you know, point at and say, well, this happened then. But at the same time, part of my stomach is just like, well, naming these algorithms makes it too simple. People say, well, it had to be had to be Penguin, so we're only going to focus on links, or it had to be Pandas, so we're only going to focus on content when it may well be a combination of a lot of stuff, or maybe not even a black and white animal at all. Um, what do you think about that, about, about the, the, the naming of events, of, of, of algorithm changes? So I don't think you have Google to blame for that. I think you have people like Danny Sullivan and myself to blame for that um, because obviously for writing a story, it makes it much easier to say Google launched this or that. So when they launched Penguin, they called it – oh, sorry. Penguin was initially called, I think, the web spam algorithm. And we were going to name it something like crazy drastic, like something like um, – I forgot. We're going to name it something like some type of get-in type of story name. And Google's like, no, no, no. We're going to call it Penguin. <laughs> they don't want us to name it that way um and you know and panda i think they named it that again because during our conversations it was like all right let's give it a name just because we don't want the seo community community to name them and the seo community even from the days of the old webmaster world threads florida back in 2003 you know all these updates were given names by webmasters not necessarily google well, I thought of, I thought it was actually Brett Tappy who who had the honor of naming all the updates back in the Webmaster World days. Yeah, so Brett Tappy was one of the. I don't know if he named them or if it was like, all right, people are calling it this in the forum. They typically usually people just call it this. Like they call it. It would happen. I don't know Florida. I don't know why they named it Florida. I forgot the reason, but they usually somebody in the forum will, will mention something because they're frustrated and call it something, and then that would just catch on, and then that would be officially named something in Brett Tappy's list of updates. Um, and then I guess Google got kind of sick and tired of webmasters naming it because sometimes they came out to be like mobile get in and (laughs) you know, let's go ahead and name it ourselves. So, um, and they made that mistake with mobile get in. They didn't want to give it a name. They, they, they wanted to call it the mobile friendly update and, and Danny really wanted to call it the mobile get in update. And we have what we have, you know, today because of it. it actually probably helped them because all these sites, that were probably not interested in updating to being mobile friendly, probably had a lot of fear factor in terms of updating. Made uh, us jump, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it, it did jump significantly in terms of mobile friendly sites. So it was, it, there are pros and cons to everything. I do think naming out updates um, do help um, SEOs, at least with their marketing materials and so forth. So it's, it, I think, more positive than negative, in my opinion. 
Um, one that I, you know what, we're going to speak about positive and negative here. One I didn't know I was dying to talk to you about and ask you a question about until this morning because you just reported it this morning. Um, but within, I think, like 18 minutes of each other, you'd published two stories um, today. One about Bing ads um, disallowing third-party support services, tech support services. Uh, and now we've got Google as well banning payday loans and other risky loan ads. Now, are we heading into a world, and you've seen sort of the things go as, as they've been going and, and the companies making decisions by companies, I mean, Google and Bing and, and similar companies. Are we seeing a world where we're actually going to be dictated to by companies like that? Is it their res- corporate responsibility to help and protect us or are they overstepping their bounds um, in actually making these decisions in advance for us and going, we can't even allow you to see that these companies exist and, and we don't want to be part of this. Is, is at their scale, is this good or is this bad? Um, I, I think they take these decisions, they, take, they don't take them very lightly. I think they, they think about these really long and hard in terms of what they should be disallowing in their search results and what they should be allowing. Um, at what, I mean, you know, Google is the gatekeeper to the web. People go to Google and they search. And if a search result leads you to losing $100, $1,000, a million dollars, or infects your computer, or installs malware in your computer, or whatever it might be, and costs you financially, and maybe even potentially could get to cost you health-wise if you go to some type of drugstore online that could potentially hurt you, um, I think those are decisions they probably have to make and take action on if they can. I mean, there's been a lot of reports over the past you know, several years of people getting scammed online, blaming Google. Of course, Google, I don't think, was ever officially, you know, had to pay in a legal sense in terms of them leading to a bad site. But at the same time, Google wants to do what's right. Bing wants to do what's right for their searchers and make sure they don't end up on sites that are ultimately going to, you know, hurt them financially, you know, health-wise or emotionally. I think it's a good thing. The question is how far should they take it? And I think, you know, banning payday loan sites... I think people know what they're getting into when they search for payday loans and they're specifically asking for it. I think people know what they're getting into when the APR is like 30% or higher. Um, I think people, I don't know, banning technical support companies, does that include Geek Squad? I, I'm not really sure. I'm, it's pretty interesting. So yeah, It's weird. I understood the payday loan one because, I mean, let's face it, if somebody's going after a payday loan, they're probably, you know, they, they are likely not to have the financial acumen to really understand what the what those interest rates mean in the long run, but the services that Microsoft banned, um, I mean, Barry, I think I, you, when you mentioned uh, the malware injectors who, uh, you know, they, they, they have the PPC ad, you go to their page, you get injected with something awful, then they can fix it for you. I can see that, but it, it, again, who, who, who's being targeting here? You, you mentioned the Geek Squad. They can't be going after groups like that. I, I can't imagine Geek Squad. I mean, they, they are Microsoft, so they want to protect Windows, obviously, uh, and their PCs. But um, they maybe they want them to call Microsoft support. I and mean, obviously, you could do a conspiracy theory there. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe it's more about – they worded it very generically. Maybe it was more about, you know, you get those phone calls saying, I, you have a virus. We're from Microsoft. Please go to this page and download this and install this and so forth. <laughs> So those are scammers out there. So maybe there have been some ads in the system that are saying you have a virus and so forth, although they didn't word it that way. Um, I don't know. Maybe they've been getting a lot of complaints from their Windows users saying, you know, I spent, you know, five grand um, for, to have somebody remove malware from my computer when Microsoft would have helped them to do that for free. I, I'm not sure. Maybe that's the issue. 
Um, they obviously have a lot more data on what their searchers are, are ending up on and what the advertisers are paying for and what that's leading to. So maybe they had a lot of significant reports of these technical support companies just scamming their searchers. It's hard I, to... I, I'd like to take Dave's, Dave's question just like one step further. Is there an appeals process that, that you're aware of? I mean, like I, I, this, is, this reminds me of the Penguin update where a big white net catches a whole bunch of innocent people. Um, when these decisions are made at search in, at, at, at a major search engine, uh, Bing or Google, um, is there somewhere where a letter can be written where somebody can explain why this decision was made and how to appeal it? Or is the new mass advertising platforms able to, to, you know, legitimately say this this whole legal business is illegitimate in our eyes. So there's definitely, on the advertising side, there's definitely more of an appeal process. I think there's forms and so forth. You get If you get banned from AdWords, they'll tell you you've been banned. Sometimes they'll tell you why. If you're really, really bad, they're not going to tell you why and they'll just not talk to you. Um, <laughs> but Google, somebody at Google is making that decision. Um, I don't know if it's automated. I guess there's some automation in that process. Um, but I'm sure there's some type of form on the AdWords side. I've, I've seen forms on the AdWords side where you can make appeals. Just um, out. When they ban me, that's one thing. I can, I can, I can do what i got to do, but when they ban an entire business sector... It happens all the time. They've done it in the AdWords for lots of different uh, situations. If you do like a search for the AdWords um, you know, policies, you'll see a whole list of categories, business categories, that they do not allow. Um, I think guns are one of them. There's a bunch of them. So. Okay. Um, Dave, you, you you were going to jump in. Well, it's it's time, or should we take a break because we've got to we got to go. Okay, you know what? I'm just going to jump in. You know what? We'll we'll take a break later, and and you know what? If we if we go and we run the commercial late. Question, Sorry, Brasco. I, I have to like you. I, I'm going back to this, but it's the one that I really really wanted to ask is what what do you think is is the most interesting thing that you've had the opportunity to report on? Like, you, you've had a long career of, of reporting. What's been the most interesting news piece, Google or otherwise, um, that you've had a chance to report on uh, for one of the many periodicals you write for? Oh, you should have prepared me for that question. Um, <laughs> maybe go into a break. I'll think about it. Is that a good idea? That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Okay, friends, we got to take a break here on Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. You're listening to Barry Shorts from Rusty Brick, Search Engine Roundtable, Search Engine Land Marketing Man, and a whole host of other places. I'm Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Dave Davies from Beefsuck Internet Marketing. Stick around. We're back with Barry after this, after this break. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. 
Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics. So you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Webcology takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Web College here on Cranberry.fm. It's the 12th of May, 2016. This is Jim Hedge from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beans Marketing and Marketing, and we're joined by the one and only Barry Schwartz, and we went to break. When we went to break, Barry was left with, a, with well, one of the, uh, one of the, I guess, one of the most difficult questions he's been asked, the most difficult question after this show, which was, what was the uh, most interesting thing you've covered? in your lengthy career where were you going with that i uh, that's a that's a really tough one so i've been covering search for almost 15 years now um you know yahoo shutting down maybe there's so many big news items i find the most interesting ones to be at least when i cover seo is when i see the whole entire when i see the forums explode about google making changes to their algorithm and google's like no we didn't do anything nothing happened (laughs) I find that to be the most interesting thing. And then, you know, six months later, they might come out and say, you know that update nobody ever saw? We, we released an update called Hummingbird or, or you know, whatever, and nobody noticed it. And it obviously shows that we did it something really good because it ran smoothly right into our index and nobody noticed any ranking changes and so forth. And you look back at your archives, you're like, well, there was this, this, and this update right around the time that you mentioned you launched this new algorithm update. And you, you denied it back then. Same thing with like Metafilter. I don't know if you remember Metafilter. They, they got hit by one of the first Panda updates. And Google denied, well, that wasn't Panda. Google denied they did anything. And then later on, Matt Cutts was like, yeah, well, we actually did something and you were hit by that. You shouldn't have been. We'll update our algorithms to fix it. But they denied it. They denied they did any type of update. Um, it's kind of going on right now where all these tools like Mozcast and Rank Range or all these like um, SEO tools that track the weather, I guess you could call it, of Google, like the ranking changes in Google, that they're all lighting up like crazy now. They're like crazy degrees, something's happening, something's updating. But the interesting thing is I'm not actually noticing that. I'm not seeing the webmasters saying, hey, our rankings tanked or we're losing traffic from Google or we get, or our rankings are actually improved. Usually when you see crazy weather reports in these tools, usually you see the webmasters go crazy saying something's happening to my website, it's gone, it's out of the search results, I'm, I'm doing horrible. Usually it's a sign of like a, an update. And in this case, the tools are going crazy, but the webmasters are not. And it makes me think that Google is actually playing games uh, with these tools, detecting that they're tools and like showing them something something else. Um, so I think the most interesting stuff is when 
Google like launches these things and they they don't tell us, even though we're asking. Like I, I I'm very selective of what I asked. Like when I asked Google, was there an update? Because obviously every day a website is going up or down. It's constantly it's a dynamic dynamic space to be in the search results. And obviously every day things are changing. But when you see mass things happening, and I I, I try to keep my finger on that, and I see that happening, and I ask Google, and they say nothing is happening. It makes you wonder, like. When, when you say you ask Google, exactly who are you asking? Are you phoning um, Google PR or are you phoning somebody who might actually be able to give you an instant answer? So I have this red phone on my desk. I just pick it up and then... Well, I think I'm asking, I think I'm really asking in reference to an article <laughs> that you wrote just the other day, which is, you know, one of those pull your hair out pieces. It's been over a year and a half since the last Google Penguin update published on uh, May the 10th. So it's been a year and a half and two days. Last update, October 17th, 2014. And uh, like many others in the in the sector, uh, Barry, you've um, there's been a number of reports in SE Roundtable about penguins coming tomorrow, penguins coming this week, penguins coming next week. It's going to be here in a month. It'll be here next quarter. I swear to goodness it'll be here by the end of summer. Yeah. How, how do you believe these guys? Like, so really? I, th- I think it's pretty well known. I mean, back in the day when Matt Cutts was around, he obviously ran these things. It was, or he was very involved in these things. Like he knew what was going on exactly. He was at Malview where the engineers were sitting there and programming this stuff. And if he would pre-announce something, it would literally happen. But he was very careful. He never really pre-announced stuff. Only when it launched, they tell people. When mm-hmm. it comes to like now that we have these like pandas and penguins, people are like, I need to get out. Tell me what's happening. And you have. These search quality analysts like John Mueller, Gary, I'm not going to pronounce his last name, and a bunch of these other Googlers out there, um, basically talking about, you know, they're trying to communicate, but they're not in, they're not at Mountain View, they're not working with the engineers, they are involved, they see the emails going back and forth with the engineers and what the status is of certain algorithms. And truth is, I think Penguin was really ready to go live towards the end of last year, but one of them, they pushed it back, and when they pushed it back because of the holidays. They said, oh, wait, let's make some more tweaks and so forth. And because of that, I think I think like something went wrong, and they're still working on it. They're not ready. They, they do their tests. They're testing things. I don't think it's ready. So um, the worst-case scenario is they release this thing, and then you know, so many sites, like you see, there's false positives and so forth. So um, you know, it, it's kind of uh, – I don't think they're, they were lying. I think they really meant that it was actually happening in January or actually happening before the end of last year. And then they ran their tests, and things showed up that didn't look good, and they had to pull it back. So, and I, I think everybody in our listening audience who's ever worked on a website can 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 feel the pain here. So, what you're thinking might have happened is it was actually pretty much ready. Obviously, it'll never be perfect. There's there's constant tweaks with all all components of the algorithm, but it was basically ready. And then they decided to fix it and fix it until it was broken. Like I can't think of anybody who's ever done web development who hasn't done that tweak and tweak and tweak. And then your entire site blows up or something like that. Right. So are you thinking that it was, they were telling the truth. It was actually ready for, for, for launch. And, And then they just tried to perfect it in this time during the holidays. And then something went wrong. Uh, right. I, and they I think, yeah, I think like anything you release, like it's ready, and then you're about to put it into production, and then something breaks when you put while you're putting it into production, you have to pull it back. I think things like that happen in the software world, especially as fast as Google releases stuff. Um, there's bugs everywhere, and because of that, um, they're being very, very careful with this launch. 
and it's going to be real time and it's going to be fast and to see you know even you know a five percent error rate on that would be massive so um, i think they're being very careful about it which is upsetting but at the same time they got to do what they got to do well, that, that, that brings actually to another point I, I, lo- I love making fun of on the air. When Google says, well, this is only going to affect like 0.5 of the websites in our database. So it's not really that big. And you think, well, my goodness, you have like, you know, what, 10 billion documents in your database? What's not big to you guys? What do you think when they quote numbers like that? So it is actual, they're not making these things out of thin air. I mean, they look at the overall landscape. I think Matt Cutstead at one point, you know, it's looking at the first like four or five results, you know, and how off and how much that changed across the space that it changed and, and how many people will be impacted by that based on the percentage of queries and so forth. So um, I think they do some type of analysis to figure that out. Um, sometimes they don't give us those results and sometimes they do, but it's definitely a metric that they look at and they publish. So um so the scheme of things, when like Penguin released, it affected mostly SEOs who were buying links, which is a very small, small, tiny percentage of of the search index. If you think about it, most people don't hire SEOs. Mm-hmm. They have their websites. They don't buy links, and they just do what they need to do. But there is a small percentage of the world that hired SEOs that bought links. There's also with Panda, it was a larger percentage than Peng- Penguin, as you as you remember. So. Um, Panda obviously was more around content development and sites like Mahalo and all these other sites that were all about building a lot of content and lots of it. And because of that, there was a lot of more pages in the index that were impacted. So I think it definitely, I, think, I don't think those numbers are inaccurate, but if you look at it in the SEO space, the percentage of SEOs impacted by the Penguin algorithm might've been like 60%, but the percentage of the index or the website, web pages on the index that actually get visibility currently it's probably closer to like one percent, which is probably true, if I had to imagine. Okay, we're 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 down to about four, three, maybe four minutes left. So if we could just shift gears for a little bit. Um, earlier, uh, uh, Dave said that you've been in the industry so long, it's likely you hand you uh, high five Danny on your way through the door. That made me think of a, of a you know something that, that really interests me. Your partnership with Danny Sullivan has been extraordinary um, from the. Uh, from the launch of Search Engine, uh, before the launch of Search Engine Land, even back in the Search Engine Watch days, to the launch of Search Engine Land and the uh, Search Marketing Expo conferences, um, how involved are you in the in the third door media world? Um, how I'm involved. Um, obviously, I was there from the onset. Um, I'm just a consultant, technically. Um, I have mm-hmm. my own companies. I several companies that I run, um, so I can't technically be an employee there or whatever, but I'm pretty involved when it comes to the SEO realm of that, covering SEO, helping with XMX on the more advanced SEO tracks. Um, Yeah, and Danny and I go back way back. So um, he's an incredible, incredible writer. He understands technical SEO incredibly well. Um, And he's created an amazing space. So it's uh, it's amazing what Danny has done, and I'm just glad to be a part of it, to be honest. Anything uh, on the SMX series? Anything you know coming down the pipe that uh, you know people should be interested in or be aware of? Um, yeah, so XMX Advance is coming up in about a month or so in Seattle. I'll be doing a lot of the advanced sessions on SEO there, which is always I think it always sells out. I don't know if it's sold out yet. I have no idea. Um, and uh, at XMX East, which will be in obviously New York, 
we're having our Landy Awards. Um, so if you're awesome at what you do, you can definitely apply to be part of the Landy Awards and be recognized for being an S- awesome SEO or SEM or whatever you guys do. Well, geez, can we uh, can, can, can we nominate Brasco right here and now for you know just an awesome engineer? Of course, he's awesome. So okay. why not? <laughs> okay, well, Brasco, there there you do. We did it for you. Your your nomination's in. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, we're, uh, we're down to our last minute or so, brother. Do you got a, do you got a question for Barry before we go? I, I, I don't want to hug the mic. I do. I do. Uh, I, I just a note. I looked it up really quickly. Uh, yes, you can still get tickets. Early bird actually expires in, in four days. So you can still get some early bird pricing. If you have to predict something to come up, biggest story, let's forget penguins of 2016. Not so far, but what's going to happen? What, what do you think? If you just had to take a wild guess, who's going to do something awesome? Oh, who's going to do something ah. awesome? Um, uh, I think you're going to see AMP, Google AMP stuff, really bother more publishers and take a bigger, bigger leading role with Google. Even though, No matter how much I dislike that idea, I think AMP is going to be bigger than you or I will like it. Yeah, actually, you know what? I think I agree with you. But uh, we got a couple seconds here. Is AMP going to in any way threaten Facebook's moves in the uh, in the in store publishing space? So I'm not sure. AMP is where they embed it. So Facebook is its own ecosystem. Um, I think they're separate. Um, Facebook and Google. It's always been was going to Facebook going to overtake Google and Google overtake Facebook and so forth. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's just only. I'm not really a Facebook person. I'm on there every now and then. You're very involved. I think more on Facebook than I am. But they're separate. People go to Google for certain things. They go to Facebook for other things. Um, I don't think they the AMP protocol threatens Facebook's instant articles in, in any which way. To be honest. Okay. Well, I think I think we have to wrap it up there. It's really. I would love to talk to you for hours. Barry Schwartz, thank you so much for joining us on Webcology today. Thank you for having me. Friends, that was Barry Schwartz from Rusty Brick, Search Engine Roundtable, Marketing Land, Search Engine Land, and more. You've been listening. We gotta go. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've listened to Webcology on Cranberry.fm. It's the 12th of May, 2016. More great content coming up after the news, and we'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed on this Cranberry Radio program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry Media. Any redistribution of this content without proper consent is prohibited.